Wake up. Freedom's on the rise. Welcome everyone to Freedom's Rising. This is episode number two in the series, and today we will be talking about how you will own nothing and be happy in the Klaus Schwabian future. How you will not have to go shopping and not need to worry about if your neighbor is vaccinated or not, because you'll never see your neighbor. Your neighbor could very well be a robot. Clearly a little humor to start things off here, but the you will own nothing and be happy. Have you heard that one? Have you heard people talking about that? Did you get the proper Snopes information to let you know if that was true or not? Um, see, that's kind of like getting caught on your heels. If you heard that and immediately, you know, not through me, but previously, or maybe this is the first time hearing about that, but it kind of ties into something that our speaker today will be talking a little bit about. And from a Forbes article in 2016, where there's this sort of, uh, dystopian, um, outline laid out about how you won't own anything. You won't own a car, you won't own a house, you won't own any appliances or clothes. And sort of this worldview that comes from the World Economic Forum of how, whether it's that's how they'd like to see things, or that's how they predict things that will be, and they're going to help facilitate that, It's this idea of you sort of being a ready player one stacked on top of each other in your old camping trailer with your VR in the metaverse, not caring about your surroundings or your poverty because you're happy. You're plugged into the metaverse. You've got your stimulus. You've got your social credit score working for you. And with these things, you can survive and thrive in your little hamster cage wheel as the robots monitor your brain waves and make sure that you're getting the right, you know, nutrient or whatever that, you know, is being monitored there for your vitals to, to remain as you mine cryptocurrency with your heartbeat or whatever, you know, this dystopian future looks like. So when people hear the, you know, you won't, you'll, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. That actually does have a source from the World Economic Forum. There was a video that went along with it with uh, slides and a beautiful, uh, again, picture of of the human future. I don't think it would be be beautiful, but there are people out there that this is how they are shaping the future. And part of Freedom's Rising is the antithesis to this thought, to this idea, basically communist ideal or something where it doesn't definitely doesn't have to do with self self ownership, right? I mean, if they're talking about owning nothing, does that include what people consider, you know, ownership over their own sovereignty, over their own mind, over their own space and thoughts, things that they have personal to them? Is that off limits in this uh, communist future of Klaus Schwabian, you know, World Economic Forum worldview, uh, Rothschildian world where? Your thoughts aren't even yours to own. 
I mean, you know, we know Klaus Schwab is really big into the brain chips and to the implantables and how this could be used to shape people's thinking, to shape their behavior. And, you know, I mean, you can, you can say that people like myself or people even talking about this kind of stuff are totally nuts. And I don't sit and hyper-focus on this stuff all day long. But to ignore it is to somewhat condone it. And that's a voluntary behavior right there, you know, to decide that you, you know, you don't need to look into something because it's too weird or it's too conspiracy sounding or it's just not, you know, what you're hearing in the mainstream. So why would it be something that's worth looking into these types of things? But now, I mean, this philosophy and worldview is coming more into play and we'll talk about CBDCs and other things and how they tie in, uh, in a future episode, I may have a guest on that can give us some really good details on that. And uh, that would be Tim Pachote from the Liberty Advisor. He actually is part of a panel of speakers that spoke at a the, from the clip I'll be playing from FloatFest today. And that uh, is not he won't be included in the clip, it would be probably too long to put in the podcast, but I'm going to reference it. And if you tie that in, what he's talking about there with, with what our speaker uh, Derek Bros talks about, because we are going to be playing his clip into the show today, and this World Economic Forum uh, article from Forbes in 2016, you know, it, this is sort of the idea behind what Freedoms Rising, again, is opposing, and the solutions brought about through this show that we'll be highlighting, not brought about, but highlighted and emphasized and broadcasted out and amplified those sort of solutions that we also implement in our own life. And I'm talking myself in the third person that I would implement in my own life and am doing. We have to uh, put the gasoline in the tank and start getting activated. So it's not just about learning about these things and, you know, diving down the rabbit hole and then kind of just trying to put all your efforts into waking people up or something like that. And actually, as the title of the talk that Derek gave is fitting, it's it's not enough to be awake anymore. It's time to get activated. So if you want to see a world where we own nothing and we're happy and you, you know, just given everything and you want to do the math on that and see how that works out, what the capital really is in that situation, because right now we live in a debt based system, which is really a system derived and based on human capital and sweat equity into people paying taxes on a debt that's been ran up by Congress and the Federal Reserve. And in the United States, you know, it's a voluntary system. And from what I have put forward and my arguments, like, if you aren't willing to participate in that system any longer, you do have the choice to not participate in that system any longer. It doesn't make it easy. It doesn't mean that it's not risky. It doesn't mean that your life is not at risk. It just means that, you know, this system is something that people voluntarily interact with. So, and that sounds, and I know there's resistance in that statement as well when people even in the freedom movement are saying, it's not voluntary, oh my God. And they get it confused, and I've, I've. That's why I don't use the label voluntarist, and I think that people have done a disservice by putting this philosophy forward as part of the freedom movement, part of the solutions, um, because it's basically a, a baseless 
philosophy that you if if something's voluntary then it's good right well what if someone's voluntarily you know shooting heroin and voluntarily wants the government to control their life and wants the government to control your life as well and they're doing that voluntarily what if that's their voluntary action so that's a problem now i agree where we say that you know the actions that i take shouldn't be provoked in a non-voluntary way where i'm doing something involuntary but going back to the principle at hand i mean isn't everything voluntary even if someone has a gun to your head isn't it still a choice on how you respond to that or does somehow the threat of violence take away your ability to think and process and move forward with your own actions does it to some if somebody's threatening you with violence that somehow makes you, your actions involuntary right so it's better i would say to admit to the fact that people participate in the system out of convenience and out of cowardice and it's not i'm not trying to call people cowards and i'm not i'm not perfect and i am in that boat so i'm trying to find the way out and implement the solutions right but i think we got to be honest with ourselves about if you know something has a problem in the in the philosophy let's move on let's get that you know zipped up and put away so we don't keep bringing it out and make sure that we're using rhetoric that makes at least logical sense and if if we're not agreeing that logic should be used to move forward then you know that that point that's when the conversation would be ending if if someone doesn't think that logic should be a part of the conversation and that we shouldn't at least attempt to be consistent in our reasoning and logic so anyways before we get off on a tangent there let's get back to what this episode entails some of the details have to do with for me from my perspective we'll go a little bit into the history of how i found freedom cells and worked with them and still work with similar types of groups but you know we don't officially call it a freedom cell and from the idea came out of derek implementing what he had found in bob podolsky's work who found that when working with smaller groups, in, uh, they had found that that was more effective in getting things done and less, and less chance for it to become a b- bureaucracy, right? And some of the physics here and things were, I think, also derived from Buckminster Fuller and the essence of the, the famous quote, you know, you've never changed things by fighting the existing reality to change something build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. And, you know, freedom cells can be definitely used to begin this process. And so if you're not familiar with freedom cells, today we're going to link to freedomcells.org. And again, you may not think that, okay, freedom cells on that website is for me, but you could use it to locate people in your area and reach out to them and contact them to start working on, you know, mutual aid, uh, mutual benefit, uh, you know, emergency response, preparedness, uh, maybe whatever's going on with the people that are already involved in your community, you could start to become more involved with them. Now, if you stay on the Freedom Cell Network, which I'm only affiliated with to the point that I am promoting it here, there's no direct affiliation to me and that website. And there's not I'm not involved with the making of it or the history of it. We're just promoting it today as part of a little bit of a history 
on my path. And then also, I think it's a good solution. I think people at this time can use that in a big way if they're feeling like they would like to work with other people in their area, at least, you know, on the ideas or to, to know what's around them. So I started a freedom cell back in 2016 in Salt Lake City. It was called the Salt Lake Freedom Hive. And we had meetups and worked on actually permaculture activities, which I think was one of the coolest things that we worked on in that group was meeting up and basically volunteering our time at a local city permaculture plot that was a bunch of other volunteers that were essentially working on this property. It was actually a a Hindu temple that had been under renovation and that property was available for people to do things on like garden and they were doing some permaculture activities and building ponds and you know planting a lot of food and building community around that area it was it was really fun to work on that project and there were other things that came out of that too there were people that developed cryptocurrencies uh, I wasn't involved with them directly, but this is part of the power of the meetup itself was people meeting that were working on projects that could find others to help them along the way. And that ultimately was something that we moved on from. And we've essentially moved away from Salt Lake City now. But at the moment, I'm involved in some groups that are we'll talk about it in the future and even, you know, name things and link to websites and stuff like that. So people can check it out. But it's a ne- basically mutual aid network, where there's uh, the ability to, similar to freedom cells to be able to network to be able to build community to be able to participate in, you know, building the Agora, and also mutual. And probably a lot of cool stuff that I don't even know about, you know, there's Again, I don't, I'm not involved in every little subgroup of the thing that's being worked on, but it definitely down to promote these ideas and concepts and also think that people should check it out. So check out freedomcells.org and you can go and make a, an account that's somewhat anonymous. And I know that Ramiro and team, Ramiro Romani is working on a version two of the website to make it better. And again, I'm not working with that team or like involved with the project, but I hear that that's what they're doing is making it uh, a version two. And so if you go to it and you feel like it's a little clunky, I think they're going to be working on some updates. But in either case, that's part of what we're covering here on Freedoms Rising is the tech. I feel like this platform is part of the the tech and a a way for people to get uh, find and locate other freedom cells and people in their area. But beyond that, it should really then be taken offline, I think. And, you know, you meet with those people in the real world and start implementing solutions. So it's not about like going on the feed every day on freedom cells and like flicking through and you're like, oh, well, look at that. Like, that's not, you're, it's not, I don't think that's the intention of the site to be like social media. But in the vein of social media and tech and tying in some other things that will be talked about today, and uh, an event that was held in April that the talk from uh, Derek is coming from today is the float. And uh, of course, the event was float fest, but float is a social media. Uh, it's a token. It's a, a few different things. There's a market, there's a co- video and media content. But float.app is the social media site. And float 
as the name implies, is sort of meant to rise above the rest, especially these, you know, as we see some of these bigger social media platforms shooting themselves in the foot and censoring pretty much like overboard, have gone overboard. Not that there's, you know, uh, uh, any any significant amount of censorship that should need to be done in a free and open society or a free and open communication platform. But of course, there's some things that, you know, people need to be able to filter and not see on their, uh, pl- you know, feed. You know, I could think of a few things that would definitely be something the platform should be looking out for and protecting its users from. Uh, but beyond that, just opinions or political opinions or even things that might be inherently wrong about something still should be, I think, left out there. And that's how you have the open forum, open debate. That's how you have something brought into the discussion. And if it's absolutely ridiculous or if it's something you don't want to see, then allow people to curate their feeds themselves, allow them to have a way to block and, you know, have things not shown on their timeline if that's how they want to operate. But you know, float.app, uh, they also just launched a 1.0 version. They were in beta for a while there. It looks like they're still working out quite a few things. Something like this is not just as easy as people might think it is. You know, they're really creating a whole new way of doing social media. And I do support the platform. Uh, Freedoms Rising actually has a page on Float. If you go to freedomsrising.com, you can see our little social media icons. And Float is one of those. But it's... Uh, freedoms underscore rising on float dot app uh, slash users slash freedom underscore rising and we do the live stream on that unfortunately i was having some issues initially with the live stream from float and we're still working on the embed on the site but i'd like to use float as the embed permanently on freedoms rising as soon as we transition into that which i think we could do pretty soon right now i am using twitch and not that I am a big condoner or supporter of Twitch for the 24-7 live stream, but it does have some stability factors. And again, while Float was going through their release of the 1.0 version, there were some issues there that were uh, causing me to not want to use it at that moment. But I think they're working out the bugs as far as I can tell. Uh, they're doing a great job. I like the dark mode theme that you can now toggle on. That's really great. And uh, once they get those live streams up there a little bit more worked out, that's what we'll be using as the back end for Freedoms Rising because I, I support Float and what they're doing. I think they have they have plans to decentralize aspects of the content posts on the site, which I think is a good step towards making a platform that's more free and not something that the government can just come after and attack to the point where they start taking things down, even if they say that they weren't going to do that. There should be more of a a Bitcoin blockchain component where you don't have the ability, even if you wanted to take something down. And again, that needs to be mixed in, though, with the thought of like not safe for work or how do people curate things that they really don't want to see that, you know, nobody should see that somehow ends up on platforms like this. And that's sort of what kills platforms like this. Um, Parler or Gab have similar battles to fight and mines. It's interesting to see you know, the aspects of the battle here with uh, censorship. Now, with Elon buying Twitter and things, I think that kind of takes the edge off a little bit, or at least it seems like it does. I'm not going to give an opinion one way or the other on how I feel about Elon Musk or something like that, but I think it, this 
move gives the illusion that like free speech is back, you know, and I think it will take some of the wind out of the sails to use the analogy for the float ships over there. But long term, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, when Bitcoin crashes and everybody freaks out for a minute and then we all know it's going to come back up. And uh, once you get kind of used to that, I think this is similar. This is a long term battle. Um, Twitter is not going to solve all the problems of the social media, uh, you know, dynamics that are going on in the world. And we do need things like float to be around. I'm excited to see how the launch of their token goes. And so those two things are sort of our tech things to cover today that tie into the episode uh, float and freedom cells. In addition to that, Float Fest is the uh, event that was held where in uh, Gauz, Texas, in June, and this is the this is the festival where the float people actually get together in the world real world, as we were talking about, and how important that is to actually you know in the flesh meet up with people, and you know the people that you are working on these projects with and working towards more freedom and that that's sort of like the community right not that not that there aren't people outside of those places that are doing things for freedom or living freedom in their own lives but you know you get the aspect of going and supporting the platform we've not gone to float fest but we do have a bunch of friends that went and uh i watched this clip that we're going to play from that and was really inspired uh, about a month and a half ago by it and it was part of my re-getting back on the saddle myself with Freedoms Rising and starting to do the podcast again uh, for my work that I like to do and watching this made me really think about how important it is and the concepts that are being put forward in, in the talk that Derek gave and if it makes you uncomfortable I'd like you to think about those periods I mean there may be something where you don't agree but if it's just something where you're like, oh, man, why are they talking about that, you know, or well, I don't know about that idea, that sounds too radical. Just, I would like that to be a point of interest for yourself to think, why is it making me uncomfortable? Some of the things talked about might make someone think, well, this is a radical extremist here. But that's what I would think is not a misunderstanding of the problem. You know, I mean, I like how Catherine Austin Fitz puts it, that we've got to stop paying the people that are trying to kill us. And that, again, might sound like, well, that's extreme. What do you mean? Trying to kill us. That sounds like conspiratorial. And really, it's not. I mean, really, there there's an antithetical force to human freedom operating on this planet. It uses uh, government. It uses democracy. It uses eugenics to slowly march forward the agenda of controlling people, controlling human beings, controlling their minds. And I would think if, if you don't understand what something like the concept of agorism that Samuel L. Konkin III, a libertarian activist, put forward in his works and that Derek has dusted off and reinvigorated and brought back into the sort of the mainstream talking points of, of the freedom movement, quote unquote, that you wouldn't, you know, need, understand the need for that, then you don't understand the the essence of tyranny. You don't understand uh, how a tyrannical force works. And you don't understand that we're under tyranny now. And that these are the solutions that we can work on to fight against tyranny. And that the more we work towards the solutions, the more free and 
prosperous and living in truth and harmony we can be. But if we're putting our head in the sand and thinking that this, this stuff's not needed because, you know, these people are just extremists and we need to, you know, keep using the current system of democracy and uh, voting and representative government and that's the way forward and that's the only way and who's going to build the roads and, you know, what is this person talking about? He likes to drive on the road and he thinks that, that we shouldn't, you know, I mean, these are childish arguments, things that definitely need to be considered, but if there's people lying to you, um, harming you, uh, consistently deceiving you, do we then go support these people? I mean, can you not see some of the things that have happened in the last few years that need to be concerns that we need to make sure that we don't let happen again, that we don't allow tyranny to wave its ugly head because of, of fear, essentially? And it's always that way, right? Fear is what drives it. That's why we're right back into more fear with the war and, and Putin and the Russia. And, oh my God, we got to have the government fix it for us. And what would we do without that? And what did we just get out of? Two years of dread and fear. And it's always that way. I mean, you go back, you know, to 2001. What is the main component of what went down during that time was September 11th, you know? And what it's still, you know, the fear of that that drove us into wars that had nothing to do with that event. And it was clearly more of a, of the agenda again, to keep pushing forward more fear. Really. That's the idea of always having this boogeyman enemy that we have to go and defeat the terrorists. And if you're not with us, you're with the terrorists, right? George W. Bush Jr. And now, you know, and then we turn into a, the pandemic and now it's Putin and China. And it's just consistent fear applied to make you curl up and just say, please, just just do it for us, government. Just fix it. Just make sure that, you know. And again, in that sort of a mindset, you will not be able to envision the need even for the solutions that are talked about here. And that could be one component why things like people talking about freedom make you feel uncomfortable. And why it even myself, it's like, should I share this like in my podcast? Should I be putting this information out there? And we all have to work through you know, what it is that we're really here on this planet to do? Is it to slowly walk towards where we're getting in more uh, situation with bread lines and social credit scores, and you don't get the bread if you don't have a proper social credit score type situation? Or do we walk the other way, where we can work together on the food systems? And if there's a supply chain problem, let's try to fix that uh, not on a local level, like I need to grow all my own food, but I can empower my neighbors that do the the, you know, this production for this food com component, and I can em empower the, the market down the street that's selling to, on a local level and struggling, you know, to compete against the big box stores, I can buy local, I, I don't have to, you know, not like the whole supply chain, I, I like the supply chain, I like the fact that we have a grid, I like the fact that things are connected, and we can import and have on the shelves what we need. But when it comes down to maybe harder times ahead or, you know, things that, you know, where you can't come in this store because you don't have the proper medical apparatus or whatever. That's where we see the importance of supporting people on a local level so that the mindset of freedom is, yeah, what, yeah, our bosses are saying that we're supposed to not let you in the store, but we know that that's absolutely ridiculous. So we're not going to implement that, right? 
And so if the, if the, again, back going back to episode one, where freedom is in the mind, and if it's in the mind of your community, and even now with the current infrastructure of government, at least if those officials on the lower level, the sheriffs and the police officers and the people that, yes, they do support government and they are supporting a tyrannical, you know, mind control system that is uh, antithetical to human freedom, at least if their minds are switched on to the fact that there was such a thing as a constitution and things where people, you know, in, in, in their system, at least they could old, uphold some consistency in their own system of thinking, you know. And I think that, you know, the Declaration of Independence was probably as pretty close to what I would call it as needing to be enough. Uh, but if we do need to point back to what they're supposed to be doing in their own system, there were things like constitutional rights and things that were supposed to be protected by the government. And that's really all the government was supposed to do. So we'll go into this talk today. Uh, there's three talks from Float that you can check out from John Bush, Derek Bros, and Tim Pachote. I'll put that in the links. This is just Derek's that we're going to play into the episode today, and then we'll call it good for now. Um, the upcoming events we'll put in the show notes, and I'll talk about those on Friday show or the last show of the week. I think I'll review the upcoming events, but not every show. And if you want to support Freedoms Rising, please subscribe to the uh, Freedoms Rising email sign up on freedomsrising.live. That's uh, simple and easy, and in the future you'll be glad that you did sign up. Uh, you can also do the same at tylerbloyer.com. There's a way to subscribe so you'll get updates, and if you'd like to donate to the show, you can go to tylerbloyer.com slash donate, and uh, if you'd like to use some XMR or R Métis pirate chain, you can go to the freedomsrising.live slash support and there's QR codes and the freedomsrising.crypto domain that you can send those to. Uh, there's also crypto payments and donations accepted on tylerbloyer.com. I would like to help promote your freedom project, so reach out to me. Um, this is sort of like a double sponsorship. Uh, you could support what we do here at Freedoms Rising, and we can talk about how we can do that as well as I'd like to support what you're doing by putting any events that you're working on in the events lineup and uh, talking about it on the show with the announcements. So those are the ways to support the show. And again, we're going to be putting out another episode very soon. So check on back and subscribe through the audio feeds is probably what I would recommend through your RSS favorite uh, podcast application that you use and bring that in so you'll get the shows pushed out. But we do try to put this uh, out on the video feeds as well. And uh, with that, we're going to cut into Derek Bros's talk from Floatfest. It's called It's Not Enough to Be Awake Anymore. It's Time to Get Activated. And for me, I'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Well, I'll introduce our next speaker. Take it upon myself. All right. Our next speaker is an incredible human being, an amazing activist. He gets so much stuff done. Talk about massive action. He's a visionary. I love the guy. He's done so much work in the world. He's doing these tours crisscrossing the country, turning people out down in Mexico, growing the Freedom Cell Network in Mexico. He's got the ideas, but more importantly, he puts these ideas into practice, and I'm super grateful to call him a friend. Give it up for Derek Rose, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> John should have been out on the comedy stage last night, shouldn't he? <laughs> That's the best thing, though, is when you get to a point where your message is kind of doesn't even feel like you're giving a speech anymore. You're just sharing your truth, and uh, you know it works. So, 
I have a couple of things to mention before we get deep. Who wants to go deep? Let's go. Who's all about that deep? <laughs> Sorry, I, I might have listened to too many jokes last night. So probably. Wow, that, that was a little wild. That was a little wild last night, wasn't it? Earmuffs. All right. Um, yeah, before we go deep, I wanted to just mention a couple of things. This is just for my talk. You know, everybody does things in their own way. But if I could please just have all the vaccinated on this side of the room and all the unvaccinated over here. Yeah, okay, I got a middle finger. Thank you, first time. <laughs> Great response, I'm, I'm thankful. But you know, obviously I, I joke about the vaccines. It's been a big issue the last two years. But you know, I, I, wanna, I do wanna preface the talk with, uh, with just mentioning that, you know, why I joke about vaccines. There's one thing that I wanna say that I see periodically in our community. And when I say that over the next 45 minutes, I'm kind of speaking broadly right because in case anybody's noticed if you haven't noticed the community has grown quite a bit right you have the merging of the libertarian voluntarist agorist anarchists and the spiritual crowd and the crypto people and the conspiracy theorists and the health freedom movement moms and you know everything in between and it's beautiful we probably don't agree on a lot of issues and i never come to an event like this assuming we're all on the same page right but I think the one thing that really does unite people is the belief in self-ownership, right? Is that something, bodily autonomy, my body, right? Like whatever issue you look at it, like I think that's one of the uniting things. And so I just wanna say that for myself, um, you know, all the events that I do and any space that I'm ever in, I am not the person that's gonna say, if you're wearing a mask, you're vaccinated, you're not welcome here. I think anybody taking that approach is bullshit and is not helping grow things. And in fact, a lot of the people who you might look against like those stupid sheeple, they got the vaccines, I don't know if you noticed, friends, but some of them wake up after they get the shots and they're going to be looking for help. We're going to be the ones that need to offer the help. So as far as I'm concerned, anybody is welcome here, whatever their status may be. And it's really none of my business. And the, the reason I kind of share that as well, and this is going to come to, to a surprise to many of you, but I actually got vaccinated last week to go see my grandma. Fuck no, I didn't. I'm just playing. <laughs> I ain't putting that poison in my body. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> But that was great. There was like dead silence in here. I think half of you were like, what the fuck just yeah, happened? I was sad. I was sad. <laughs> Let it burn his books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the proper response, right? Just go to the other polar opposite. It seems like there's a lot of that in our community. Wait, this thing didn't work. The other extreme must be the answer. <laughs> All right, so let's get into some different ideas today if we can. John really kind of went over a lot of the things that I'm going to cover and and. Um, you know, we're working on similar goals in, in different arenas, but I want to, I do want to say that I think I'm going to start the way John ended with just reminding us that there is so much potential right now in this moment. I don't know if you guys have felt it, but honestly, despite all the insanity, the last two years have been the best two years of my life because I'm moving closer and closer to my goals, right? It, COVID-1984 has been the greatest motivator, you know, for many of us, right? And as John said, it's been a great recruitment tool. They're looking out for us. They're trying to make sure we get more numbers on our side. And that's just the, however you want to look at it from a spiritual sense to just physics, you know, equal and opposite reaction. The more they push, the more people will continue to wake up, right? Anybody have friends or family who weren't questioning things before COVID and now are or like starting to get on the edge? That's going to continue to happen, my friends. Every time where they want to push in a more extreme way, there will be people on the edges who are already kind of not trusting of the system and like, yeah, hey, I don't know, this doesn't make sense who will then be like, oh my God, you know what? I need to call that crazy friend I have. Hey, tell me more about this great reset thing that you're talking about. They're gonna come to us seeking help and guidance, right? And so I feel like there is just so much potential right now. There's so much abundance available in addition to 
the reality that this is 2022 and their plan is 2030. Is everybody kind of coming to terms with that? The United Nations and the World Economic Forum call this the decade of transformation. They're working with every multinational corporation, every major bank in the world, nearly every single government to put in trillions of dollars to you know, create this reset that they've been calling for, Agenda 2030 reset. And now they're even hosting things like the World Government Summit where they're having panels that are literally called, are we ready for a new world order? Like it's not even hidden, any, if it ever really was, it's just pretty much out in the open, right? So we have some realities to contend with and we shouldn't put our heads in the sand at all. Like that's not what I'm here to say. And you know, if you know my work, The Conscious Resistance, I talk a lot about both the importance of the internal, the spiritual journey, as well as the physical realm, getting free in those ways. And in my experience, a lot of people in the spiritual, conscious, whatever you want to call them, communities have historically been the kind of people that want to put their heads in the sand, right? Don't talk about the bad things because you're going to manifest it. Don't bring the bad vibes, you know, just keep it chill. And I'm a big believer in meditation. If you've heard my story, you know, I discovered meditation in prison. I got addicted to the drugs when I was 20 years old and went to prison. That was the beginning of my awakening. Meditation and prayer were a huge part of that. They, those are vital, important tools. But meditation and prayer alone don't don't create the outcomes we want without action behind it, right? So it's the sort of bringing that together. So we do have an immense opportunity in front of us right now. There's so much potential, but you all you also have to actually do something about it, right? You can't just sit on the internet and complain anymore. Uh, if that was ever the answer, you know, my talk is titled today, it's not enough to be awake anymore. It's time to be activated. And I'm going to explain more of that. But I think that's a sentiment that I've held for years, like that when I first started waking up 2009, 2010, watching Endgame, reading some Jim Mars, watch, reading Ron Paul's book, all kinds of things just woke me up, right? In the beginning, I was just like, I had my freak out period. I don't know if you guys realize this, but waking up, it's actually like a grieving process. You know, there's the, the psychological model for gr uh, grieving, the Kubler-Ross model, and it describes the stages of denial, anger, sadness, acceptance, those sort of things, right? It's not really like a rigid system that you pass through each of these things for a week at a time or everybody goes through every stage. It's just like these are some things you might experience while you're grieving. And if you think about the waking up process, you're waking up to realize that most of the people in the institutions that you've been taught to believe are you're supposed to trust and you know have faith in that you were lied to about. And by people that you trust, your family, your parents, your pastor, your politicians, your teachers, et cetera, that is a very difficult process for many of us. And so some people, they're like, no, the, the denial happens, right? There's no fucking way. This can't be real. This is too big. You know, that's, that's crazy. This is just conspiracy theory stuff, whatever. Maybe you keep going down the rabbit hole and things keep getting confirmed. And then before you know it, it's like, oh my God, this is happening. You have the freak out period. And maybe you get into an angry phase. Like, did anybody get angry when they woke up? Like, how dare they do this? This is fucked up. Like, they're doing this to my kids. Like, you know, just all those emotions, right? And then maybe even the sadness. And this is where some people get stuck. There's no way we, I can't believe this is too big. It's too massive. Great reset, new world order, agenda 2030. These people have been waking, working for at least a hundred years. How can we ever possibly overcome this, right? Just a whole range of emotions. And in the ideal circumstances, you go through all of that in a healthy time and manner that's different for everybody, but you get to a place of acceptance where you're like, okay, yeah, this is real. These things are happening and it's scary and it makes me a little sad, but I, what can I do about it now, right? Then you get to a place of solutions. That's the ideal path we might take, but clearly that's not the path that all of us take because some of us get stuck in that angry phase, which I tend to call the Alex Jones phase because... <laughs> You know, whatever you think about the man, it's like if you watch too much Alex Jones, like you think the world is about to end. Like literally, I was watching a lot of Alex Jones when I first woke up, and it was that feeling for the first year of like, holy shit, oh my god, the police state is like here, it's about to happen, it's about to happen. And I had to go through a period of like, okay, 
it's happening, but maybe not tomorrow, right? And here we are and it's, it's happening, right? It's, it's, it's in our faces. But the reality is some people, they get stuck in that phase, that angry phase, that sad phase. And in my book, I talk about it. I call it the defeatist trap or even the conspiracy, the rabbit hole trap, right? Like you get stuck in constantly researching things, which is important. You know, I'm a journalist. This is what I do daily. Uh, has anybody seen my documentary series, The Pyramid of Power? If not, I encourage you to go to thepyramidofpower.net. I mean, I spend time going down these rabbit holes. I just spent a week researching the crimes of the intelligence community. And I nearly blackpilled myself. For those who don't know that term, it's just like if you've been blackpilled, like we say red pill, it's like somebody who has come to the point of reading and learning so much that you just feel like things are hopeless. And after doing this research, I was like, wow, I, I can see why people feel hopeless. I, I can see like I've known a lot of these things, Operation Gladio, Phoenix Program, all this stuff, murders, rapes, uh, throwing, overthrowing governments, installing puppets. Just it, it's, it's crazy. These are the people we're dealing with. What I would consider to be the personification of pure evil right and how do you take in all that information and still feel like wow we got this we're good everything's good you know it, it's it's rough so i can understand why people get stuck in those mindsets but again there we're in a, a beautiful period of abundance right now there's so much opportunity so some people they get stuck in the alex jones phase they get stuck in the defeatism john was kind of pointing to this earlier and i've seen this all over mexico and all over the u.s you really think they're going to let you grow their own your own food you ever heard of waco you know, just these sort of like these defeatist mindsets and the, the built in assumption, as John said, well, just because Klaus Schwab says you'll own nothing to be happy. People are like, well, obviously that's what's going to happen. Right. I mean, there's no way we could change that. I don't have a choice, do I? It's a very disempowering mindset. Right. And that's what some people consider to be awake. That's not awake to me. Like, that's just like you're depressed. <laughs> like you, you learn some things and now you're depressed and you think the world's screwed. And that can be a very dark place to be, especially in COVID times. As John also mentioned, because of the Freedom Cell Network and the Greater Reset, anybody familiar with the Greater Reset activation or event? Guys, it's been, I mean, it's been wonderful. The, the first three events, we're reaching people in more than 20 countries around the world. The live event in Mexico, we had 400 people from more than a dozen countries. I know John had a good turnout here in Texas. There is a thirst right now for solutions. And a lot of these people, and again, I'm not assuming what our ideologies here and what our awareness is around here, but I know that there are some people who understands the idea of the non-aggression principle, who, who feels like that's intrinsic to their belief. Like those are the volunteers, the libertarians, the anarchists. Maybe some of you are less familiar with that. That's okay. But the point is the movement's growing with all these people who maybe they don't have all the philosophical backing or the economic understanding or the deep conspiracy research, but they know that something's wrong and they're looking for answers and they're looking for solutions. So that's, that's a beautiful step. It's like, okay, now we're looking for what's next, but many people are still in that reactive stage, right? That they get stuck in that Alex Jones phase. Maybe they, this is what I'm seeing where I'm from in Mexico, tens of thousands, at least of Canadians, Europeans, Americans, and Australians have come to Mexico because Mexico over the last two years has been one of the only countries in the entire world that did not require quarantines, tests, or shots in any way. And so because of that, there's just this mass exodus of people who got out of Canada before the domestic restrictions. I'm sure everybody here is familiar, but if you're not familiar, as of October of last year, unvaccinated Canadians, people in their own country, can't take a bus, can't take a train, can't take a, fly, a flight domestically without being vaccinated. So a lot of them saw that on the horizon and they flooded into Mexico. So there's a lot of people looking for solutions, but it's also kind of, it's still in that reactionary state, right? Like, oh no, they're doing something bad. I'm going to run away and come here, right? And so in that process, what I'm going to share a little bit today is I'm seeing a lot of the same mistakes. I, Miriam and I just did the activation tour in the fall. Um, I see a lot of friends that we met around the country. It's really great to see you guys again. We did 30 cities in 60 days all across the U.S. from, you know, all the way to the North Pacific Northwest, the Northeast and down to Florida 
and Texas, of course, and California. And this is last year in the height of all the Omicron, you know, BS going on and got to see some of the best and the worst things happening in this country. Right. And everywhere we're going, we're meeting people through the Freedom Cell Network, meeting people through the Greater Reset who are telling us, you know, but when COVID happened, I felt alone. I felt isolated. None of my family wanted to listen to me. They all think I'm crazy. I lost my job. You know, I'm stuck at home. My kids think I'm crazy. My parents think I'm crazy. You hear all different versions of this story. And then people saying, and then I use the Freedom Cell website to find people near me. Now we're starting a garden together. Now we're buying land together. We pulled our kids out of school together. Or I went to a local watch party for the Greater Reset, and I met all these people in my community that I never knew were there. And so the first step is that people realize they get out of that defeatist trap by recognizing they're not alone. I mean, does everybody understand? I know that each of us have experienced that in different ways. Like the moment, maybe even for something like this, like is this the first event for anybody who's like never come to a Freedom event in person, right? A few of us. And isn't it a great feeling to realize like, holy shit, these aren't just random strangers on the internet. There are real people like me from all over the world who feel these ways and who are asking questions. Again, we've got differences of opinion, but that's what this movement's all about, right? We're not trying to create a, a robot army of all of us that agree on everything all the time, right? That's not freedom. That's just, that's diversity and the other shit there's some of us. <laughs> you know, we want true, real freedom. And inside that space, you have to have diversity of opinions and beliefs. So one of the first steps that we've been seeing is helping people realize that they're not alone helping people see the importance of that. And then from that, okay, you're not alone. Now you realize there's other people. We're creating our own culture. That's what it really comes down to, guys, if you understand that, right? Um, and it's interesting, we were having this conversation the other day, the, di the dynamic between the words cult and culture, right? Like, it is, it's there. There's, you know, I've been accused of starting a cult a couple of times. Like, I don't think, it's a freedom cult, I guess, but I'm not in charge. Nobody's in charge, right? But you think about that word culture of what we're doing, right? They want us to have a culture that is all the things that you guys see in the mainstream world. Whether you're left, right, whatever, there are things in that mainstream society that we don't recognize as aligned with our values. So we say, you know what? I don't like the way they do those big mainstream festivals with supporting Budweiser and military propaganda and all these mainstream bands pushing propaganda to my kids' minds. So let's start our own festivals. Let's start our own conferences. Let's start our own movements. Let's buy our own land. Let's build our own communities. That's what we are witnessing right now, guys. But this is a proactive movement that you have to choose to be a part of. You have a couple of paths. You can come to Float Fest next year. You can go to Jack Open a couple months, go to MidFest, go to Exit and Build Land Summit. You can go to the Greater Reset next January. You can go to Anarchapoco if you want. You can attend the whole circuit of festival events and never do a damn thing beyond that. And I see this. You just keep coming to the party, keep hanging out. Yeah, like I got the message and stuff. But then you go back home to your day job and you're still dependent on the grocery store. You're still dependent on the mainstream financial systems. You're still using the banks. You're still, how is that awake? I don't get how that's awake. And I'm not here to say I'm the arbiter of who's awake and whatnot, but I think we need to really come to a point where we're actively not only measuring the impact of our actions, but we're really tangibly, as John said, I call it the holistic self-assessment. It's my one of my books. You can download it for free at theconsciousresistance.com. It just helps you look at your entire life and say, I claim to have these principles, but then when I look at my different relationships, I don't actually live up to those principles. I claim that I want to create a better world and down with the bankers and down with the new world order, et cetera, but I still got my money in Bank of America. And if you go, if you guys go to weforum.org slash partners right now, weforum.org slash partners, the World Economic Forum website, every single bank that you're using is listed on their website right now. And you guys all know how fractional reserve banking works. So when you put your money in those banks, they could be taking your money and literally funding great reset projects. I don't see how that's helping us. I don't see how that's moving the cause closer, but it still feels good to come to a float fest and we're awake and we're free, right? 
We have to look at our actions. We have to say, are we tangibly moving the ball forward? Like, for example, this is something that actually an old friend, Adam Kokesh, told me years ago, like that did stick with me, is to really, activists need to be willing to ask themselves, and we're all activists to different degrees. We all just work in different arenas. You don't have to be a podcast host or, you know, speaking on stage to be an activist. I think it's the way that we live our lives, right? But some of us are more active than others. But we need to be willing to say, okay, I've had the podcast for five years and I've still got no new listeners and I'm not really reaching anybody. And it feels good, like a little pat on my back. I like doing this. It's a fun hobby. But after five years, maybe I should ask, is there a better way to spend my time? Is there a more effective strategy I can try? Maybe that wasn't working for me, right? And being willing to be honest and say, all right, let me try something new. I mean, that's all I've done over the years is do things that work. And when I hit a brick wall, just go to something new. Don't sob over it. Don't get stuck on why you failed and all the things that could creep in, the doubts and the fears. Oh, my God, maybe people don't like hearing me. Maybe I'm no good at this. I should just go back to my day job and forget about all this freedom stuff. You got to push past that and be honest and say, okay, well, what can I do that's going to be effective? What does, what's the what does the community need right now, right? What are the needs within our community? I've heard several people saying the next step is we need to start getting into private defense and being able to defend ourselves or going towards the stages that John talks about. I believe that that is the vision we want. I mean, the way I look at it is the Freedom Cell Network, the Greater Reset Community, whatever we represent within the larger freedom community, we're like the solutions caucus, if you will. We're the ones who actually want to do shit about it. For the rest of you who just want to go party and stuff, that's there too. And that's always going to be there. And in fact, it's going to be there as you march into the technocratic FEMA camps. It's still going to be there. You'll still get to, but you'll be awake and you'll be free and everything will be good. But my point is we have to do more. This is the first step. You wake up, you react, and then you move into a stage of action. Okay, now I know things are bad. Now we're finding each other. We're using the Freedom Cell Network. We're using Float. We're using social media. We're getting our groups. We're creating world, world, real world communities. Now we're creating our own festivals. We're creating our own music events. We're building the culture, right? But it's not just a lifestyle. Like it has, it has to actually involve physical changes. We had a de-Google workshop going on. That's the amazing thing. How many people here have Google in their pocket right now? Have Apple in their pocket right now? Nearly every single one of us, right? Except for those who bought the above phone or one of the other options. And I'm not shaming anybody. I'm saying it's because they've monopolized everything. It's difficult to get out of their systems, right? You have to go out of your way to find Ramiro to get an above phone or find somebody similar, or you have to go learn those skills. Some people won't do it because it's too hard. It takes too much time. It involves learning a new skill. I got to work with people. Oh my God, I have to leave my house. All the excuses you can come up with, right? Oh, it's just so convenient though. I've got all my contacts in here. I've got, you know, the bank's close to my house. Why would I want to switch? We could come up with a million excuses. That's what they are to not change our actions and to not change our behaviors. And I've been saying this for years now. I mean, I've been involved in this movement, so to speak, since 2000. I think the first Liberty event I spoke at was Anarchy in the NYC, if anybody remembers that, back in 2013, April 2013, I was out there really nervous talking about Buddhism and anarchism. Like, oh my God, are these people going to listen? And even back then, people just wanted to hang out and party. I could already see, I was like, okay, so there's some people in the movement who get it, and there's others who are just there to come hang out and do the events and go to the bar afterwards and hang out. Hey, Larkin, hey, Derek, I want to hang out. Let me get photos and do that, and then go back to their job working for the government or something. I don't know. Like, but to me, this was always about, like, I need to change my life. So I can be more free, right? And the other, so that's one point is like me, being willing to measure our, our impact and our effectiveness, right? As I'm traveling the United States, it's costing time, money, lots of money, energy. Miriam and I are exhausted. Sometimes it's a strain on our relationship. It can be intense, but it's worth it, right? Because when I go to these events, like I said, we did 30 cities across the US. We did 17 events in Mexico over the last six weeks. Everywhere we're going, we're connecting to people from as small as four people to 150 people, on average 70 to 90 people in every city who are just like you guys, 
who are saying, hey, Derek, I watched this video and man, it helped me in this way. Or this article you wrote or this thing you did or God, the greater reset. You guys helped me find these new people. I can measure the impact of the actions I'm taking. And that's not because I'm special. It's just because I'm putting the time in. And if I was doing these tours and it's like, man, these are just I'm wasting all my money. Nobody's showing up. People just don't care. Like, I guess it's just, you know, I would try something different because it is exhausting. It's probably going to be another couple of years before I do what I just did. But it was worth it. And it is worth it to come drive. Like we literally just crossed the border two days ago to come here to Float Fest. So we came to Mexico to be here with you guys. We're going to exit and build. I'm doing some other events. But my point is we have to think as individuals and as, as activists, you know, maybe you have a podcast, maybe you make memes, maybe you come to events like this and your action is just talking to people, networking, or maybe you do build the, the decentralized technology we need to go to the next stage. Maybe you're building the next blockchain that's going to help us, right? I can't do those things. I, we need those people just as much as we need loudmouths like myself and John to share the message, right? So we all have a role to play and we have to figure out what that is and it's going to look different. So that's one thing is be, be honest with yourself and be willing to ask if the actions you are taking are really leading to freedom or to anything new, right? Be willing to understand that. Now, I want to take a step back before I go into some of the other answers. Um, I actually do think that despite myself and John kind of railing against getting lost down the rabbit holes, I do still believe in trying to wake people up. That's just, it's, I don't think it's a path everybody needs to take, but I like to have my foot in that world doing journalism, writing articles, producing documentaries, doing videos and interviews to try to get the people who are still on the edges, right? Like, because again, there's a lot of people in the movement who think they're awake, but they're so black-pilled they think there's no solutions or they've never heard of the Freedom Cell Network or they've never heard of Float Fest or they haven't met you and you have the perfect thing that they need to complete their project, right? Or vice versa. There are still a lot of good people out there, guys, who I believe can and will join us when the time comes and frankly, I still think we're vastly outnumbered and that we need a lot more people. Uh, even with the numbers we have, we can do good things. And that's the beautiful thing. We're seeing the beginning stage of that. But if you understand the exit and build strategy that we've outlined, and you know, I was inspired by Samuel Konkin, uh, anybody who knows your libertarian history, he's a founder of agorism. And, if, and I encourage you to go back and study his works, not because he was you know, a god or something, but because he did have some foresight and the things he wrote about are what we are experiencing right now. And one of the things he described is that we would pass through this four stages from complete statism towards freedom. And he started talking about these pockets of agorists, which I think are freedom cells, would start to pop up around the world in, in different parts, right? As people get sick of the state shit, as it's the inflation and the taxation, all the things, people start looking for answers. That's the stage we're at now. Now we're finding each other, we're getting organized. And so Konkin believed that this movement would progress. We would start to see parallel networks forming. That's what the Freedom Cell Network is the beginning of. And it's not the only one, but we're building these networks. I mean, it's such a special time to be alive. But ultimately what Konkin believed, and I think our buddy, our buddy Free Ross, Ross Ulbricht is unfortunately a great example of this, Konkin also warned that if we move too fast, the state would smash down. Because at the moment, even though our numbers are growing daily around the world, I mean, I talk to activists, part of the Freedom Cell Network in India, Australia, South Africa, Germany. I mean, this is a truly worldwide movement, guys. So understand that. But we are still very early in the stages, right? We're at that sweet spot. There's this book written years ago, like 101 Things to Do to the Revolution. I know some of you guys have heard about it. And it said, yeah, it says something like, right, we're at that that awkward point where it's too early to shoot the bastards but you know so we got to focus on solutions we can't like i don't think the movement is strong enough not to say that that's the answer i don't agree with that as the answer make that clear right um but 
we're not quite strong enough to just get to the point where John and I do envision. We want to stop paying property taxes. We're not free if we're paying property taxes for the rest of our lives. We want to get to the point where the network is strong enough where we can peacefully but assertively say, hey, you know what? As John said, like, hey, you guys are not doing great. We're not even using your services anymore. So we now have enough strength to come to them as an equal and say, hey, we have representatives now. These are This is our community diplomat coming to interact with the U.S. government and saying, this is what we're willing to do with you. And this is what we're not willing to accept. And that might sound crazy. And maybe it won't even come in our lifetimes. I believe it will. We might be old men by then, but it's, this is the vision we're working towards. So if that's a little scary, it's okay. We're going to get there. Don't be freaked out. They will try to target us. They will try to label us. They're already doing this. I mean, this this is, again, be aware of the things happening, but don't get stuck in the fear. Is it a fact that myself and John and our names in the Freedom Cell Network were listed in a Fusion Center document from the police department? Absolutely. That was back in 2016. They were already watching myself and John. We've got leaked documents from the uh, the Blue Leaks last year, right? And that, that can be a little unnerving. It's like, oh, wow, back in 2016, they were taking note that John invited me to speak in Austin about Freedom Cells. They were watching since the beginning. Good. Let them watch. Maybe they'll wake up in the process. We're not doing anything wrong, guys. We cannot be consumed by fear. And these fears of, well, what if you get the land, Derek, and then they come and kill you, whether it's the cartel or the government or some criminal, what are you going to do then? Well, at least I die living by my values rather than staying safe, but just submitting to their society. Like, I, I just, it's not a question. What else is there, right? But to live by your values. So none of us invite that. None of us want that. None of us welcome that. Nobody's trying to go out in a bloody hail of gunfire, right? Fuck that. But if it's like, hey, shit, here we go. All right, man, I'm going to know I did good with my creator. I tried to bring good to this world. And if I got to die defending the values in, the, in my home, then like, okay, that's what it is. I work towards never having to do that. But is that a possibility? Yes, let's not lie to ourselves. Sure, that could be a possibility. These people are ruthless. I listed a number of programs. These people have no problem killing people, doing whatever they want, and they have power over the largest media empire in the world to propagandize the rest of our friends and family to think, yeah, he was a crazy person. You know, he was one of those extremists we keep hearing about. It's sad, but he shouldn't. Maybe he should have taken the vaccine. You know, whatever, right? <laughs> and so we're working against the big machine without a doubt, but there are solutions, guys. And so. I was getting to the point that I still think it's important to try to wake up people, right? This is what I do with the consciousresistance.com. This is what I'm doing with the Pyramid of Power documentary series. And by the way, just confirmed Larkin's going to be in season four. So that'll be cool. And I think that there are still people out there who have tools that we don't have just yet. I mean, if we took the time and went around here in this entire campground and really just got to know everybody, and I've known this for years. We would have every single resource we need right here within this. Whether it's not the person here, they're like, oh, but my cousin knows that somebody who has that thing you need, right? Like, we have everything we need here already. So it is time to start building. And yet, people like myself and others who feel inclined, we will continue to try to wake up the masses so that the numbers never stop flowing in, right? And that's what Conker was saying, is that as people start to realize that the state is becoming less stable and they're paying higher taxes and all this stuff, and they're seeing us over here with our free-range kids and our organic food and our healthy permaculture outside of COVID-1984, they're going to start to flood in. This is why people are coming to Mexico. This is why people are coming to Texas and coming to Florida. It's already happening. What he predicted is happening now. But it's one important thing to remember. He did warn if we start getting maybe too bold and who knows what's the right move, when the right time. But it's just something to keep in mind that they will smash you down. What happened to Ross Ulbricht? He built a website. He was specifically building around the principles of agorism and trying to build something, a website where people could exchange goods and value without the government having any hand in that. And some of that was drugs. Some of that was all kinds of things. He didn't let violent 
you know, things happen. He didn't let child porn and stuff like that happen, but it was generally a freed market. And I was there reporting, as was John, on his trial and his sentencing. Ross was sentenced to three life sentences. He's our age. He, he, he's 37 years old, the same age that we are. He's going to spend the rest of his life in prison until we break him out of there. And, uh, <laughs> and it's, it's, I mean, being in the courtroom, guys, honestly, just all sincerity, being in the courtroom and this fucking judge, she's standing there with the U.S. flag behind her and she's like, I'm tasked standing here. I, I feel humbled standing in front of the flag that I am tasked to carry out this sentence. And she said to Ross, she said, I'm sentencing you to three life sentences to make sure to send a message so that no one will ever dare take up your flag again. And they specifically mentioned agorism. They don't give a fuck if you vote. They don't give a fuck if you protest. If you keep doing that, they're more afraid of us exiting and building. That's what they're afraid of. That's what they're afraid of Ross is that if the Silk Road became a success, people would see we don't need government to like I'm using Amazon basically, but the government's not getting any money out of it. And that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of that they will lose their tax cattle in the big picture. But ultimately, it's that fear that we finally recognize that their whole system is built on this false belief and their authority. And the more people we keep waking up to that, there will come that flood of people. And I, guys, I don't want to be in a scarcity mindset. I want to be in a position where we've got our land in Mexico. I've got my family taken care of. And if and when you or your families or the people to come need help, I can offer a, a helping hand instead of saying, sorry, there's no space here for you, right? That's just the task I'm playing because I think that Man, we're just at the beginning. Things are going to get fun. They're going to get bumping. And man, I, I mean, I, I just can't explain it to you. I hope you guys really understand the moment we're in. Like, just take a moment to sink it in. Some of us, I mean, I'm, I'm still young in this game. I've only been doing it 12 years. And I know that people have been doing, have been a part of these movements for decades. My grandmother, you know, I was joking about my grandmother earlier. My grandma is actually one of my biggest influences. When I first started waking up in 2009, 2010, I went and saw Ron Paul speak at the U of H and I was reading Jim Mars Rule by Secrecy and I came to my grandpa and grandma. They were visiting. I was like, Grandma, Grandpa, have you guys ever heard of the Federal Reserve? <laughs> and they, they looked at me. My grandpa, it was really cool. My grandpa, he's passed now. He kind of patted me on the head. He's like, you need to be careful who you talk to about this. Not everybody's going to be willing to listen. And some people are going to think you're crazy. And I realized my grandparents been awake for like 50 years. They've been waiting for it. Like, oh, my God, we got a grandson. My, it's awesome. My grandma, my grandma has a farm in Kentucky that she's been living and growing her own food since she was a little girl. Like she's known this kind of stuff was coming. They were way ahead of the curve, right? She is one of my biggest sources of strength and inspiration, but not only her, my living ancestor, but all the ancestors that came before me. Guys, it's important for us to recognize that no matter what skin color you have, what language you speak, your place of your origin, your origin, your place of birth, etc., that all of our ancestors had to go through blood, sweat, and tears to get us here today in these moments to be alive. Think about that. And I will not fail my ancestors or my nieces and nephews who are just coming to this world or your children or my potential future children by saying, you know what? I knew the Great Reset was coming, but it was just so much easier to stay comfortable, to keep doing the things I'm used to, to keep my money in the bank, to keep using Google, to keep playing their systems, because all that sounds like a lot of work. I'd rather just go to the festivals and go to the conferences and pretend like I'm being free because the actual freedom sounds like too much work, right? Because nobody here can claim ignorance. How many people are familiar with the term social credit score? The Great Reset. Technocracy. Agenda 2030. Nobody here can claim that they're not ignorant. And if, you, if those terms don't mean anything to you, I encourage you to go to my website and watch some of the documentaries and, and reports I've done. But my point here is that we're sitting here today in May 2022 eight years from their agenda 2030 in full awareness of what's on the horizon. Nobody here can say, I didn't know. I never got the memo. I didn't see that documentary. I didn't, I never heard of this. You'll own nothing to be happy. So we can't claim ignorance, 
So if we fail the coming generations and we fail our ancestors, it's because we chose not to act, right? If the future they want, which is you'll own nothing and be happy, comes into fruition, it'll only be because we didn't stop it. And honestly, I don't know that we can stop it. This is the other kind of cold hard truth, I think. Trillions of dollars, every multinational corporation, nearly every government in the world, decades and decades of planning, I don't know that we can stop it. But the idea of exiting and building, exiting from systems that don't align with our values and building better ones, to me at least says that the coming generations will have a choice. Do you want to live in the smart city, technocratic, you'll own nothing and be happy world? Or do you want to come be a part of this beautiful new thing we're creating? And none of us can predict what that might look like or where will be the most free. Everybody's trying to figure out, should I go to Mexico, Texas, which town? I mean, at some point, you got to put roots down. That's all it comes down to, right? Because we need freedom everywhere. We don't want everybody just to come to central Texas, although there's a growing contingent here. We need freedom everywhere. And maybe for periods of time, places like California might be a little lost. But even then, we got people like Jason Bassler holding it down in California. Even in the worst places like Australia, the Freedom Cell Network is strong, right? Despite all the insanity you guys have seen in Australia, people are still organizing. The human spirit is still alive, right? They haven't extinguished it yet. But they're working on it, my friends. And it's up to us to decide how we're going to interact with that. So we have this opportunity right now. And one of the biggest opportunities I see is this Texas-Mexico connection. Now, we, Miriam and I have been living in Mexico for the last two years. We've been visiting for about six years. She's got family there. If everything goes well, when we go home from this trip in June, we'll be closing the deal on our property and moving on and beginning the project that we call the Conscious Agora. And I'm really excited because to me, that's like, that's just the fun. That's the beginning of the fun stuff, right? But there's also been two years of fun stuff. So many people come to events like this or how many people have seen that meme going on social media? It's like, how many of you want to just grab your friends and go off grid and buy land, right? It's like this feeling that they're tapping into that so many people know, I got to get out of the cities. I got to get out of the cities. But again, there's not so much action behind it. You know, I've kind of come to this theory that if there, let's say the whole world's population was a thousand people. And a hundred of them were people that were so-called awake, that probably 10 of them would be the people buying land. That's just what I've seen. There's a lot of talk and not so much action in these movements. There's a lot of talk, a lot of gathering, a lot of online debating, a lot of circle jerks, all that fun stuff, but not so much like physical concrete action. And that needs to change. So this Texas-Mexico connection, what Miriam and I have been doing the last two years, we found a spot that feels like home for us. We just traveled six weeks across the country Right now, I could tell you at least half a dozen communities that are looking for people actively, that have land already, not some scammer telling you give him some money and he'll bring land later, but people who physically have the land, have the title, have the vision, and are looking for people like yourself. In, in Mexico, for sure, but I know there's other people like-minded in Texas. And what John and I have been thinking, you know, as we're building this parallel network, and with Ramiro's help, we're about to launch the next version of the Freedom Cell Network website, which I want to invite everybody, if you've ever been before, haven't been in a while, or just, you know, want to come check it again. Early June, if everything goes well, we'll be launching the new website by this summer for sure. And we're going to, it's going to exponentially increase people's ability to find each other and to get organized in it in a way that is so important right now. So that's going to be vital, right? People finding each other. But as this parallel network's growing, what we're really envisioning that we're going to see is not only a network where you can find the people closest to you, but people have already told me they have traveled the United States using the Freedom Cell Network to connect to like-minded people. They're traveling you know, all the way to the East Coast, so they look up the Freedom Cells in Tennessee on Telegram, and they look at the website. They message them and say, hey, I'm part of the Freedom Cell Network back in Mexico, headed to the East Coast. Does anybody know a safe place that I can go tonight or where I can find you know, the community of like-minded people? That's what it's going to evolve to. It's not just going to be a place where you find people in your community, but it's ultimately going to be a, a map that can map out, here's these people selling 
produce. Here's these people selling, uh, you know, animals. Here's these people selling land. Here's these people giving workshops. So you can connect to the like minds. And that itself is going to evolve into the parallel network that Samuel Conkin was describing with his philosophy of agorism. That's what Exit and Build is all about. We're not just saying, like, let's go buy land and, you know, have fun in the country and forget it. The whole point is that we are building the next stage. And we need your help to do it. But it's happening. People who are choosing to be active are, are, are seeing the results. But this isn't a passive movement. Like I said, we're the, we're the ones in the movement who want to get shit done. And I'm sure there are others. It's not just myself and John or just the Freedom Cell Network. Of course, there's so many good people doing great work. But you have to decide now. Do you want to be a part of this actively? Or do you want to be awake and still walk right into technocracy, right? Because you can be awake. And still using all their systems, still got your money in the bank account, still letting Google track everything you do, still got your kids in the school system, still trusting Big Pharma, right? Oh, but I'm awake. And then when the shit comes and they roll out the social credit score and the digital IDs, the vaccine passport, et cetera, you're going to realize, my friends, as so many people have the last two years, how difficult it is to thrive when you're stuck in their systems. This is why I haven't had a bank account since 2008. I've never paid taxes. I don't have a driver's license. Don't tell anybody. And... And it makes life difficult. I'm not saying you all need to be out on the fringes where I am, but I'm definitely trying to push as hard as I can to say, hey, guys, I'm over here. And now I realize we haven't built the infrastructure for this system we need, you know, that we're going to need in the future. And I can kind of help other people maybe take some inspiration to take the baby steps they need. Right. Is there anybody here who ever you know, feels like sharing that feels like what we're saying sounds very foreign like does anybody feel like you're very trapped maybe you got a 401k you got fifty thousand dollars in debt you got you know just be honest it's okay we're a family we're a community here we need to find ways to help each other right some of you might be hearing this and like i'm with you guys i get it but shit how i'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm barely surviving check the check i was there two years ago that been the starving journalist activist for almost a decade it was fun but i'm done with it and you know it's we need to help each other right so we need to know in what ways are you struggling to get more free? Is it the bank account? Is it that you got direct deposit? It's convenient. Is it, you know, what is it? Like, because if you're not willing to look into crypto, if you're not willing to look into silver and gold, or you're not willing to create a local currency, then you're basically just consigning yourself to continue in their system. And sooner or later, as our Canadian friends down in Mexico have learned, they will freeze your bank accounts if you support the wrong people. If you come to a float fest, if you went to that freedom cell meeting, right? And then I get people emailing me the day, the day after. Hey, Derek, you know, I've heard you talk about this for a while. My bank account just got frozen. Can you help me out? It's like, well, I could have helped you out yesterday, but now you're kind of fucked. It's like, I don't know what to tell you. Your money is better off stuffed in between the mattress or in a safe than it is. But another thing is, if you're not comfortable taking the money out of the bank, look into things like credit unions. That's kind of like a half step towards a more localized institution. But honestly, we all know that the currency is devaluing at the same time. So just keeping it in the bank isn't really doing any good. That's why some of us want to buy land and actually put it into tangible goods. But even if you're not at that point yet, guys, invest in yourself. Take that permaculture course so that you can gain those skills. Take that beekeeping course. Take the crypto, you know, whatever it is that you're interested in, and take that money that's just sitting in the bank's hands and going to fund great reset projects and probably pipelines on indigenous lands and all kinds of other things. Take that money out of there and invest it in yourself. Because in the times that we're headed into, which will be difficult and beautiful at the same time, the people with the most skills will be the people who thrive. Right. If you can't have if you don't have anything to offer, and I'm not just talking about gold bars and silver, but if you can build something, you got some practical skills, you're going to be a lot more useful than the guy who stopped up on. I don't know whatever else people are stocking up, stock up on the traditional things like, you know, tobacco, alcohol, guns, ammo, seeds, seeds. Those are my favorite currency. Get some crypto, get some precious metals, invest in yourself. But Jesus, how long how long have people been talking about in the Fed and 
the Occupy Wall Street and, and the banking system. And I'm just kind of convinced that some people will never actually leave the banks until they come to Float Fest. Like, yeah, guys, well, my bank account got frozen. I didn't take it out. I never listened. I knew it was wrong. I knew that. And I'm not saying this is easy. Like, again, I have a different lifestyle. So there's probably many of you who are more dependent on that system at the moment. But the idea and the hope is that some of our tech buddies start creating more solutions so that it becomes unnecessary. So we have to be willing to assess our activism. We have to be willing to see that there is an opportunity right now in front of us. There's so much potential. And I think if you want to come to Texas or you want to come to Mexico, what John is doing and his team and all the people are doing around Texas and so many others and what we're working on in Mexico has created an opportunity. As long as that border stays open and even after it closes, we will be able to transport goods and people um, across that line. Miriam and I have been doing what we call the modern underground railroad. Some of you guys might have heard about it on Vice recently. Uh, they said we were appropriating slavery or something. I don't know. But... So for the last year and a half, Miriam and I have been doing these caravans that we just call Modern Underground Railroad. It's something I wrote about in my book. My book, How to Opt Out of the Technocratic State, which you can download for free at theconsciousresistance.com slash how to. It came out a month before COVID happened, and it describes everything we're facing. I'm going to update it soon, and all I'm going to do is add the word vaccine passports, and it'll be totally up to date. But in that book, we were describing that sooner or later, at some point in the future, there might come a time where it's difficult to stay free and where people have to move from one state or one country to another and a new underground railroad would form like the one during the Civil War. And holy shit, it happened a lot faster than I thought. So what we're doing is totally legal at the moment, but what Miriam and I do through the Freedom Cell Network for people who are interested, they come meet us in Houston, we give them the time, the date, the location, we drive them to the border, help them out with their paperwork, help them cross, and they can either follow us back to where we live and get settled and decide what's next for them, or they can go about their own way. We've done more than a dozen caravans. At this point, we've helped over 100 people come to Mexico, including families who've literally sold everything they own to leave Canada, packed up their children, their bus, their house, whatever, came down to Mexico with no idea what to do next. And there is a network forming there. So I'm not here to say like everybody needs to go to Mexico, but for those who feel like that's an option, there is so much potential there right now. And between what's happening in Texas and Mexico, I do imagine that as these trade routes start forming, you know, I want to, this is where I'm going to kind of wrap up. I want to buy property on both sides of the border so that when people are crossing, there's a safe house to kind of land, right? And the bigger picture is this one's just been developing recently. So stay tuned for this in the coming year. Everybody's been paying attention lately to that Young Global Leaders Program from the World Economic Forum. I want to do the exact same thing, but from our side of things, right? Because if they're getting in the young minds and they're indoctrinating them with their philosophy, and then what do they do? They send them out to be presidents, prime ministers, and go in their little field, their spheres of influence. We need to do that same thing. I envision something that's almost like a freedom cell training ground, a fight club of sorts, but yeah. for freedom and liberty, right? People come here and they can be educated in permaculture skills and you know learning about how to grow food they can be educated in you know mindfulness things things like meditation prayer for those who are interested they can be educated in the trivium they can be educated in um you know community organizing how to form a freedom so all this like a program that could literally just be a download and it's something that i imagine wouldn't be open to everybody but only the people who prove like hey i need these skills so i can go back to my community and just put this shit to action because i don't have time anymore guys for conspiracy debates for arguing about viruses for any of that shit like to me the only thing that matters for the next eight years that i'm committing my life to is what are we doing to prepare for the great reset i have six nieces and nephews and i refuse to give them that world of you alone nothing to be happy right i refuse to accept that and i want you to reject that as well 
So my final point here is that we have to push past those fears. John kind of touched on this a little bit as well. There's so much fear, doubt, and insecurity, and limiting beliefs that creep in. And the reason I call my work The Conscious Resistance is because I've been through that, guys. I went through depression and suicide attempts and then eventually drug addiction that led me to prison and that's what it took for me to wake up to start like questioning like what am i doing what what have i been through and when i went through that i realized that there are so many and i've seen since then there are so many brothers and sisters even within our movements who are recovering addicts maybe current addicts or people who've never touched drugs but are struggling in some other way and these crazy fuckers take advantage of that they will try to manipulate you to every degree they can to convince you that you are not powerful that you are not beautiful and that you are not free and that we that it's over. There's nothing to do. You might as well just sit at home and complain on the internet. They've already won, right? No, that's something that we're here to reject. We have to recognize the strength in us. And to me, that's part of the healing process. So I focus a lot on the healing as well as exposing the dark things through my journalism. But ultimately, guys, it's all about creating a better world. We have to find ways to push past that internal tyrant. That's your doubts, your fears, your insecurities, that voice that creeps in and says, nah, I don't want to go to float. It's going to be too hot. And it's, it's a drive and all these, you know, any excuses. But when you come out here, you connect and you see face to face, you see no masks. And that's the inspiration. That's the activation. That's why we're calling it the greater reset activation, the activation tour. It's not just a gimmick because I'm here to say, my friends, if we don't get activated, if we don't get our shit together, it will be you all nothing and be happy. But if we do choose to act, there might be a different opportunity for our children. So let me read you this final thing. Who has actually read the you alone, nothing and be happy thing? Have you ever actually read the article? So it was published in 2016 by Forbes magazine and by uh, the World Economic Forum. And in this article, this short little piece, it's, it's a woman from that time describing what the world of the future looks like, right? And she says things like, sometimes I miss my privacy, but things are so much better now. Like, you know, everything's, of course, it's everything's equitable and just and diverse and sustainable now. We love it, right? But when you scroll about halfway, here it is, when you scroll about halfway down the article, so it's titled, Welcome to 2030. I own nothing, have no privacy, and life has never been better. Like, <laughs> so, so here's the part that's important, though. This is the most important part for what we're doing. She says this. There's a section that says they live different kinds of lives outside the city. I was like, okay, what are you talking about? And she says this. She says, my biggest concern is all the people who don't live in our city, those who we lost on the way. Those who decided that it became too much, all this technology. Those who felt obsolete and useless when robots and AI took over big parts of our jobs. Those who got upset with the political system and turned against it. They live different kinds of lives outside the city. Some have formed little self-supplying communities. Others just stay in the ab ab empty and abandoned houses in small 19th century villages. That's us. That's the shit we're going to do. We are going to exit from these systems, guys, and it's going to be a journey, my friends. I hope to see you over the coming eight years and the coming decade as we build something beautiful. For these young ones that are running around, my friends, some of these kids have only seen a world with people in a mask. Thankfully, they have sane parents and they're here, but there's so many other children who are suffering, right? And it's for those kids that I fight. It's for my ancestors that I choose to honor. So I hope you will join me in this journey, guys. Thank you so much. Very much.